Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp. And this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan, and this is January the 8th, and today we're going to look at Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis chapter 11, we have two new sections of the book of Genesis. Now, what I mean by that, I will explain as I review how we got to where we are. The book of Genesis is naturally divided in 10 sections. The 10 sections I'm going to give to you in just a moment. So if you have something to write with, you will be able to mark these down and go and then mark them in your Bibles because we're only reading the key chapters in Genesis that I've identified to follow the panorama of God's redemptive story. But there's 50 chapters in our English Bibles. Now, remember the English sectioning or what we call chapters did not come about until the 13th century, around 1225, 1226, the chapters in our Bible as we now have them were laid out. The verse divisions came along 300 years later in the middle of the 16th century. But I want you to understand that there are natural divisions and sections in the Bible. This is why Paul told Timothy to rightly divide the Word of God. He said, be diligent, study to show yourself approved unto God. One who is a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Now, that's 2 Timothy 2.15. Now, the reason that's important is because the word there, rightly divide, is the word to cut it straight. In other words, section it off. And so when we look at that verse, it is obvious that there is a way to divide or cut up the word of God in a way that is naturally according to the way that it was given. And Genesis is just that. Remember, it was orally handed down before Moses wrote it down. Moses was not there at the creation. No man was. And so it was passed down from generation to generation, from Adam to Seth to Shem, on and on and on. It was passed down. And God superintended Noah and gave him direction to write it down according to the oral tradition that God had watched over and made sure it was just right. And if you know a Jewish rabbi or if you know someone who is a student of the Word of God who is truly from Jewish roots, you're going to find out that they are very meticulous in genealogies because they are interested in their history and heritage because that tells them more about who they are and the direction that God will lead them in their lives. And so Genesis chapter 1 Verses 1 through chapter 2 and verse 4, as I have shared with you previously on two occasions, is the introduction to the book of Genesis, but to the entire Word of God. And then starting in Genesis 2-4, you have a phrase that repeats itself ten times throughout the book of Genesis. And it is the word, one word, toldot. 
Sometimes it's spelled T-O-L-D-O-T-H, Todoth. And it means these are the generations of, or this is the beginnings of, these are the declarations of history of, the lineage of, and then it goes on to tell you who it is the history of, the generations of. And so the first division we find after the introduction in Genesis 2-4 is the generations of the heaven and the earth. It's sometimes called the book of when you're studying in commentaries. And so the first division is Genesis 2-4. You'll find the second division in Genesis 5-1. That's the book of Adam. Genesis 6-9 is the third division, and that's the book of Noah. And then Genesis 10-1 is the book of the sons of Noah. And then Genesis 11.10, and we're going to be in the 11th chapter today, has two sections in it. Genesis 11.10 is the book of Shem. And then Genesis 11.27 is the book of Terah, Abraham's father. That's the sixth section. And then Genesis 25.12 is the book of Ishmael, the son of Abraham by Hagar. And then the eighth section is Genesis 25, 19. That's the book of Yitzhak of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of promise by Sarah, his wife. The ninth division or chapter or section is the book of Esau slash Edom, because he is called Esau and Edom. And that is in 36, 1. So the ninth section is Genesis 36.1, and that's the book of Esau or Edom. And then the final breakdown is Genesis 37.2, and the rest of the book is taken up with the book of Jacob. Those are the 10 sections. Now, the reason I'm pointing that out is because in chapter 11, we have two different sections, one shorter section and then a longer section having to do with Shem and his sons. And so as we go through chapter 11, this will become obvious. So as we begin to read through the book of Genesis, the sectioning is very important. Now it says in Genesis chapter 11 in your reading today, now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass that they journeyed from the east. Now that may be what your Bible has in English, and it may not. The word east is the word kadem. K-E-D-E-M. There is no word for east in the Hebrew language. The word is the word front or in front of. Kadem is the word front or in front of. And the reason it is used is because it describes the reality of geography in the Bible. You see, the Bible was written before the poles were discovered. And so in the Bible, all orientation, all directions are given as not true north, but true east. Why? Because anywhere you're standing, for instance, all of this is the perspective. The Bible is centered in the Mediterranean and in specifically the land of Israel and in the land of Israel, specifically Jerusalem and in Jerusalem, Mount Moriah. Now, we'll learn this more as we go through the next couple of weeks learning about Abraham. But what I want you to understand is that this gives the image of someone standing on Mount Moriah, which is 2,400 feet above sea level, 
or even higher the Mount of Olives, 2,700 feet above sea level, which is the ridge to the east, facing east from Moriah. It's the idea of a man standing and facing the east or forward. You see, when you're standing on the Mount of Olives and you are facing the east, you are facing forward. So the word east came from the term of a man standing with his arms stretched out, his legs stretched out. Many of you have seen this ancient depiction, and he is facing forward, and the forward direction is the word east. Now, in Latin, it is the word Orient. And so this is why, still to this day, if you want to get your bearings and your true east, you have to go to orientation. If you start a new job, if you start a new school, if you start into anything new, the first day, hours, sometimes weeks are what's called orientation. Why? Because you're getting your true bearings, your true east. And so that's where that comes from. And this is the word. There is no word for east in Hebrew. It is the word kadem, which means forward. That's why to the south, to the right, that is dextros. To the left is sinestra. That is why when we talk about the left, the word is sinestra, and that's where we get our word sinister. It means something that's unexpected. The dominant hand in the Bible is the right hand. And so if you come from the left, that is sinister. In other words, it's unsuspected. It is out of the blue. We even use the term out of left field. And so anything that is behind is the hinder part. And so that would be to the West. What I'm telling you right now is something that will do us good all the way through the year. So I needed to just share this with you because this is important here. Now, the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east. That's not the best translation, I'm sorry, because the word is just east. In other words, they journeyed eastward, eastward. They went from what the Bible calls Ararat, which is in modern-day Turkey, and they went East, and they came to the valley of Shinar, which is Babylon, that is in Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia, the land between the rivers, between the Euphrates and the Tigris. And it was there where they began to build what is modern day Baghdad in that area. It's called the Plains of Shinar. And it is the place where they started building this great monument to try to reach the heavens. So the scripture says that they found asphalt. I'd love to tell you why they found this asphalt and tar in that area, because it's the same kind of substance where we get oil today, which is under that desert after the flood. It's an interesting chemical discussion as to how oil and petro is formed. But it says, they said, come and let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. The story goes on that in verse 7, God says something much like he did at the creation. Let us go down. Let us go down. Who's he talking to? Well, he is using, no doubt, the plural of majesty, we, because of the greatness and grandeur of who he is. But it is also a Trinitarian formula. Let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord, notice, it was the Lord that said, come let us do this, because in verse 8, it immediately says, so the Lord, and it's his personal name, 
Y-H-V-H, Hashem, scattered them abroad over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, the name of it is called Babel. Now, that's interesting because it says the Lord confused them. That's what verse 9 says. Well, the word Babel is the Hebrew word for confusion or to mix up or to mingle. But in the ancient language of Akkadian, or some would say Akkadian, A-K-K-A-D-I-A-N, it's the word Bab-Alim, Bab-Alim, B-A-B, and then a hyphen, I-L-I-M, which means the gate of the God. You see, this was what they were trying to do. It tells of why, basically, they were trying to do this. They were trying to reach heaven another way besides through the blood way of sacrifice and substitution that God had shared with Adam and Eve in the garden and was passed down through the ages. This is man's futile effort to make his way to God. It happened then. It happens today. And God said, I'm not going to allow it. And so the scripture says that he confused the language and we did not read chapter 10, but in chapter 10, you have the descendants of Noah, and as Shem's sons are given and spoken of in beginning in 21 or so forth, you'll see when you get down to verse 25, to Eber, who had been mentioned earlier, the word Eber means one who crosses over or passes by or passes over. The word Eber, the son Eber, is where we get the word Hebrew. All you'd have to do to get the flavor of this is put an H on the front of the E and you would get Hebrew. Well, that's very easy to make it Hebrew because Abraham passed from one place to another. He left one place and went to another. So he was called a Eber, a Hebrew. To Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg. For in his days, the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Now, notice this. During the days of Peleg, for in his days, the earth, notice that Peleg was the first son of Eber, and it was in his days, the earth was divided. And the word divided is also the word for split. It's the same word that's used in the book of Daniel, chapter 2, when it talks about the last portion of the great image that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about. It says that this last kingdom, which we know as the kingdom of Rome now, historically, would be split, would be divided. It would have two legs in this great colossus that was representing the kingdoms of the earth from Daniel forward. And so the word is divided to split, like two legs splitting. Well, this is the word for split, and the split of the earth happened during the days of Peleg after the flood. And you say, what does that mean? I believe not only did God confuse the languages where this family and this family teamed up, and I believe he did that by the sons of Noah, just as he had laid out their birth. They all spoke in in, uh, certain dialects and languages. And as that happened, I believe when God tumbled the Tower of Babylon, it was because of an earthquake that literally split the landmass that had been won as the people began to scatter. I don't think it happened all at once, and I think this is why you're going to get, it seems, all of the origins of people on every continent going back to the Middle East as their origin. Why? Because as the people began to split up and spread out, God then split 
the earth and form the continents. You say, well, I thought he said, let's go down and confuse our He did. And then you'll notice they all then left the project. And here was this great tower's reminder of the greatness of the people. So what did God do when the people spread out across that great landmass? He split it in two during the days of Peleg, which means this is about a hundred years after the flood when the Tower of Babel happened. And so I believe it is around that time, probably a few years after when people had begun to scatter everywhere and explore just like we did in America and everywhere else coming from one from the east and going west and scattering then into other parts of the earth. And then the split took place. And I believe the split or the divide of the earth was literally, as it says, it was a division of the earth. And that's when I believe the continents took place. Now, I know that we're getting long, but I thought this would be important for you to understand because the sectioning is very important because when we come to verse 27 of chapter 11, this is the genealogy told of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Then it talks about Haran birthing Lot. And so what we're doing is getting ready for the story of Abraham. And you will not want to miss the next podcast tomorrow. Read the chapter for tomorrow, which is January the 9th, Genesis chapter 12, on the 10th, Genesis 15, on the 11th, Genesis 17, and we're going to talk about the great covenant and the parts of that covenant that perhaps you had never thought of. So I want you to come and join me as we go through the entire Word of God, 365 key chapters in the 365 Bible reading plan as we walk on the way together. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.